Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, and thank you for joining me for today's episode, Are You on This Side of History? Protests in America, Racism, Classism, and Capitalism. This episode was done in joint project with the African American Juvenile Justice Project, given the number of our young Black youth that are victimized daily as a result of police brutality, disparity, and discrimination but more so as they are also being targeted as they engage in protests throughout this country and the impact that it is having. I send my condolences on behalf of myself and the AAJJP to the many families impacted by racism, classism, and capitalism in America and the demand for change through protestation in America. As we rise from the ashes, Black people cry out in Atlanta, New York, Los Angeles, Detroit, Chicago, and Minnesota. My condolences to the family of George Floyd that many are using as the platform to demand change. But the reality is that Black people in America have been seeping for many years. To seep means to slowly leak through small holes. Black people are seeping because of systemic, endemic, epidemic, and pandemic racism, classism, and capitalism. As I heard respectfully, the Honorable Mayor Keisha Lance Bottom state in a news press conference, this is not Atlanta. We are better than this. I listened to those words and the statements made by her and many across the spectrum in Atlanta, but I view those commentaries through a different lens with all due respect. This is and we are Atlanta. This is and we are New York. This is and we are Chicago, Detroit, Los Angeles, Minnesota, Washington, D.C., and all of the other cities, municipalities, townships, and states throughout the United States that are protesting for change. When you say to the people, this is not Atlanta, we are better than this, we do not engage in these acts, you speak the same language inadvertently, of course, that causes the very reason why they're protesting. You speak divisively. You suggest that there are the haves and the have-nots. We are better than those who are protesting. We are better than those who are taken to the streets to engage in violence. We are better than those who are engaging in acts of criminality. We are better than you. This is not Atlanta. That is the same mannerism that creates the environment that results in protestation because it results in the death of people like George Floyd. That is the language of people who believe that they are better than somebody else. That is the thought process of those who engage in supremacy and believe that they are better because of their race, their economic status, their social status. Racism, classism, and capitalism is birthed out of that language. And I know that it was inadvertent, but this is and we are Atlanta. This is and we are New York. Chicago, Detroit, Los Angeles, Minnesota, and Washington, D.C. This is and we are the cries of the ashes that constantly befall the black community. And while there were agitators, I once heard 
that a washing machine is useless if the spinner is broken because without agitation, the dirt, grime, bacteria, and deadly elements cannot be removed and washed away. So there are times when you need agitation to stir up the people and to get their attention. Violence is not the answer, but unfortunately, it is violent acts by police and others and agitators that draws and drew the attention of the masses. From 1619 to 2019 marked 400 years of black people in America, not through immigration or migration, but through a transatlantic slave trade. Compare that to biblical times. After 400 years of oppression and walking in the wilderness, the people grew weary and demanded change. 2020 is a year of divine season, a vision of change, manifested through protests and the willingness to risk it all. But we must still use wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to press toward the mark of a higher calling. But history is on our side. What side of history, America, will you be on when this is done? And where do we go from here? Will we continue to love to hate? Or will we learn that hate is not the answer? How do we cure racism, classism, and capitalism in America? Because protests will not end until we can sound the alarm and sing a hymn. What is the hymn? It is the acronym for demanding equality in housing, health care, education, employment, maintenance, and support services. But let's be clear. There are those who are beyond, around, and behind the protests. There are those who defend against injustice, and there are people who profit from injustices and do not give back to the communities impacted to bring about change. So we, too, must hold them accountable. We bear that responsibility. I have nothing against those who have to sue law enforcement, nothing against those who have to sue cities, and municipalities and townships and states for acts of police brutality. But I take great issue with those who only as a result of mass protestation that brings about some form of change, be it through prosecutorial misconduct, judicial misconduct, bringing about prosecutorial uh, challenges that result in the indictment or presentment for the arrest of law enforcement, that once that is accomplished, now we hear from these families, and the first thing they cry out is, we don't want the violence, we don't want the protest. We have heard that with all due respect in too many instances after checks have been written or autopsy reports have been performed or lawyers have been secured and they have now available for them the evidence needed to not simply prosecute officers for homicide, but also reap financial gains from it. I don't know what it's like to have a family member killed by law enforcement. Like Killer Mike, 
have a family of law enforcement members, and I'm proud of the work that they do because they do get up to serve and respect and protect the communities that they're assigned to. But we recognize those bad apples. But it is equally as important for people who benefit from protestation to give back to those communities, to say to them, but for you sounding this alarm and singing the hymn to draw awareness to my brother or my sister's plight or my daughter or my son's plight, there may not be any quote-unquote justice. And so since you've done that, we will set up a community-based program. We will set up a foundation that allows for other pet families not to suffer the way we did. So I look to the lawyers and I look to the families impacted by police brutality to take ownership also in the benefit of mass protestation to draw awareness to the plight of your loved ones, to be able to establish something within those very same communities to rebuild them from their ashes. Those beyond, around, and behind the protest bear responsibility to do the same. Who's also responsible for the manifestations of protestation and or their outcomes? The power of the peace. It's an acronym developed by AAJJP, and it includes the roles of parents, pastors, and principals, homeschool community, parents teaching your children how to engage in meaningful protestation, pastors speaking to your churches and educating them on the importance of being on the front line to combat racism, classism, and capitalism in America, principals instilling in your students the same principles and teaching the spirit of a non-competitive environment that does not result in white supremacy, of teaching individuals that they're better than the next, re-examining how we evaluate even our valedictorians and salutatorians, and acknowledging students that are giving it the very best that they have, educating them on the importance of social justice reform and change. The next is our justice system, or injustice system, dependent upon the lens in which you view it. And that is the police, the prosecutor, and the prison system. Not all police prosecutors or prison systems are bad apples, but you bear the responsibility for rooting out those bad apples. Interview after interview, whether it's NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, or Fox Network. We constantly keep hearing police officers at top-ranking officials even politicians who are afraid to identify the underlying root that causes police officers to engage in a new form of lynching, no longer hanging us from trees to let our necks snap, now putting your knee in our neck and or holding us in chokeholds to create the same asphyxiation that results in death and homicide. You, too, bear the responsibility of acknowledging racism, classism, and capitalism as the root causes, because if you cannot do it or will not do it or refuse to do it, you cannot change. You cannot engage in reform if you're not willing to acknowledge what is the formation that is creating the environment that is resulting in protestation. Profiteers. Corporate America and influences in America, the foundations, the companies that remain silent in times like this, 
who are willing to close their doors, Walmart, CVS, Target, and a host of other retailers, as opposed to saying, what can we do collectively to address classism, racism, and capitalism? Because the root of the problem isn't just rooted in racism alone. Black people suffer because we seep. We are leaking in small holes. Those holes that we eventually are leaking through are under the spears of racism, classism, and capitalism. The press. You are responsible for creating and controlling and directing the narrative that the world sees. And if out of 20 hours of coverage you give to this protestation or more over the last two to three days, leading up to upwards of 72 hours of coverage, all your focus is is on property damage, you create the narrative that justifies police brutality. It's worth repeating. You create the narrative that results in police brutality. If your emphasis is on property damage, and loss of property value over human capital and the value of human lives, that is a problem. And to our white allies that have come to the forefront, you have to respect black lives. You can't come into the communities, defacing the communities, throwing cocktail bottles, bringing harm and death to police officers and protesters in the name of Black Lives Matter. Because the reflection of the media is that it reflects upon us. And while I recognize that all of the harm that has allegedly been performed or conducted through these protestations isn't just on whites alone, let me correct respectfully cities like Atlanta who want to blame all of these outsiders. No, look at the numbers. WSB-TV Nicole Carr reported in Channel 2 News in Atlanta on the percentage of those that were arrested who were and were not from Atlanta. More than 85 to 90% of those arrested were from Atlanta by their addresses used at the time of arrest. A very, very small percentage of individuals had out-of-state addresses. That doesn't mean that they're from out of state in terms of where they live now. Many people are transients in Atlanta, New York, and other places. Many are students who still rely on their homestead as their main or primary address. And there are some who come to Atlanta that's been here four and five months escaping pandemics in their neighboring states. But it doesn't mean that they're not from Atlanta. And it doesn't mean that Atlanteans bear any better fruit from their trees than anyone else. I am reminded that Dr. King was forced out of Atlanta, the conversation many don't want to have. That's how he ended up in Alabama, because Atlanteans deemed him to be a troublemaker. I am reminded that the day before he was assassinated, brutally murdered in Tennessee, that it was a senator from Tennessee who declared him as a troublemaker, even a man who engaged in peaceful protestation. So the press is responsible for changing the narrative that is directing individuals to go to these communities and engage in these acts, but moreover and more importantly, deflecting from why they're protesting in the first place. Politicians who create laws that govern the way we live, work, and play, who don't want hate legislation who don't want to address laws that will define if I kill a police officer, 
is mandatory death penalty in many jurisdictions around this country. But if they kill us, it's justifiable homicide. Who don't go far enough in addressing discriminatory and disparity in America? The lawyers that fall underneath those umbrellas. The Supreme Court of the United States that unless you are one of the powerful P's, Planned Parenthood, the press, the president, or politician, or profiteer, your case won't even be heard. Our pain and suffering is not rage or anger. It is pain and suffering. Our pain and suffering is not rage or anger. It is pain and suffering. Media, change the narrative, and you will change the way people see us. Why, when you protest, shelter in place, you are deemed as individuals who are concerned citizens and concerned about your livelihood. But when you protest police brutality, disparity, discrimination, and injustice, you are enraged and you are angry. Change the narrative. Then and now. The outcome of peaceful protests then in the 1960s was being dressed in a suit as a black man and getting bitten by German shepherds and dogs. The outcome of peaceful protests now is being on the lawn of the White House or at its gate and being rushed away with tear gas in Washington, D.C. and in the city of Atlanta when a curfew was announced at 845 to tell the people that they must leave at 9 o'clock. And by 901, 902, you are subject to tear gas and riot gear from police departments and National Guards. Everyone is claiming that they support peaceful protests, but they don't want bombings and they don't want fires. Everyone is asserting that there's some form of domestic terrorism. No, Tim McVeigh epitomizes domestic terrorism. The man that killed all of those individuals in Las Vegas at the MGM, that defines domestic terrorism. Protestation through the streets of New York, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Detroit, Chicago, Minnesota, that is not domestic terrorism. That is pain and suffering from a people whose lives have been adversely impacted through their hymns, their housing, health care, education, employment, maintenance, and support services. But now there's a game changer. When protesters bombed affluent communities and no longer was taking out their own supermarkets and stores, as originally thought in Minnesota, well before the National Guard was called in, then, and only then, was the National Guard brought into major cities with threats of military armory. When protesters took to Beverly Hills, took to affluent communities in Los Angeles, took to Buckhead and Lenox Mall in Atlanta, took to Manhattan and Fifth Avenue in New York, when black folks said, and when those who agitated said, let me tell you how this should be done. Because those agitators, those white kids, they understood the power of protestation. They understood that it was about economic reform. They understood what Dr. King understood, the conversation nobody wants to talk about when we talk about Dr. King. Yes, he was peaceful. Yes, he was nonviolent because he understood the power of economics. 
He understood that through a boycott of a bus system that would prevent people from going to work for the masses and the masters, that would impact them financially. He understood that sit-ins and restaurants and demanding services and businesses that were not open for black folks would push white folks away, and that would affect them economically. He understood that, which is why he was assassinated during his planning of the poor man's march in Washington, the conversation America doesn't want to have. We cannot get to the root of this problem. We cannot solve this problem by operating in excuses, denial, and justification. When property was more valuable than people's lives, that was a game changer. When Walmart, Target, CBS, and other major retailers were forced to close in 22 states, that was the game changer. When the president of the United States had to be taken underground for protection, mm, that was the game changer. He said, dominate or be dominated. Say what you want about President Donald Trump, the 45th and maybe the 46th president. Who knows? He understands the power of economics. His administration understands the power of economics. He was a businessman. His last name isn't Trump for reasons unknown. A Trump always means, like in the game of stays, in the game of Trump, you always have that one power card that has to be played, the game changer. For him, the game changer was a threat of a law that's been on America's books for hundreds of years that was only used once in the King riots in California. They understand that money was the game changer. When you began to go into their communities and bring attention and awareness to them, when you were no longer bombing and throwing agita getting agitated to bring harm in your community, that was the game changer. Just like a washing machine, without agitation, without that spinner spinning around violently, you can't remove the grind, the dirt, the bacteria, and wash out all those other elements. Try putting clothes in a washing machine with hot, hot water and bleach and then take them out and tell me if your clothes are clean. They're not going to be. But why did it have to come to this? Because black lives and livelihood did not matter. And because black people also, when we have benefited from injustices, we seldom bring it back to our community. We bear as much of a responsibility. We are more successful now, more educated now than we've ever been before. Don't let the numbers fool you. Yes, one out of three might have criminal records. One out of three might be in the system, but that means two out of three are not. We have to be accountable and responsible for what happens in our community. What happened when Jesus turned over the money table to the church? It exposed racism, classism, capitalism, and the abuse of religion to silence and control the masses. So where is the church and religious leaders on these critical issues now? We say war is not the answer, and it is not. But when you're speaking to a generation who only knows warfare in the streets, and who only know that war has generated change, be it World War I, Two, the Korean War, the Persian Gulf War, Vietnam War, taking down Muammar Gaddafi in Libya, taking down Saddam Hussein. And we see that peace 
and peace negotiations and the Palestinians and the Israelis is ineffective. How do you therefore say to this generation, war is not the answer? That goes back to our homeschooling communities and what we teach children work and don't work. When the president of the United States says, I'm going to invoke the military to bring war to the streets of American citizens, how do we therefore say war is not the answer? We're basically saying violence begets violence. We become so focused on protecting property that we no longer protect who once was property, blacks in America. We would have probably gotten more protection as slaves than as freed people. We say war is not the answer. So here are the four Bs you have to remember if we're going to resolve anything. The ballot, you vote, you sign the census, things that we've been doing time in and time out. And it's put us to serve time in. And we get victimized when we get our time out. So for many, the ballot is ineffective but it's still worth continuing to try. Budget, dealing with classism, dealing with the inequities and the inequitable distribution of wealth in America. You have Democrats and Republicans who through this pandemic offered Americans $1,200. The average household has two to four people. The average rents in America exceeds $1,100 a month. Trillions of dollars is given to businesses. And hospitals like those in Prime Health in Georgia and around the country who are knowingly lying about the number of people who died through COVID deaths so that they can possibly increase their numbers to receive federal funding for hospitals. Who even under the CARES Act, trillion dollars were expended with the majority of that going to hospitals that were already well endowed not hospitals that were providing services to urban corridors and rural communities. We think how we use money in America. We think the inequities economically that lead to classism and capitalism, how we tax the poor in America. A bullet. Malcolm X once said the ballot or the bullet. He gave you just two choices. The bullet doesn't necessarily epitomize violence. It epitomizes protest. Aim, fire. Aim, fire. The bullet is targets a specific people, place, person, or things that would result in injustices whose outcome is unjust. The bullet doesn't necessarily invoke violence. We think that. The bullet means that you arm yourself in a way, no different than the scriptures tell us, with a breastplate of righteousness, all of that, your helmet, your breastplate, you arm yourself to be protected. When you see a person with a gun, you're less likely to bring harm to them. That's why we have the Second Amendment through the lens of most people, whether right, wrong, or indifferent. The bullet says, I have the right to protect myself. And protestation becomes one of the outcomes of that thought process. And there are times when a car may get burned, and a building may be defaced, and a flag may be both defaced and burned. 
but that is a property value that is generally insured, and that business and or that edifice and or that structure can be replaced, rebuilt. But once you take a human life, there's no coming back from that. No insurance policy restores that family or that loved one to their status quo. Next is bullying. When we get threats from the White House to state capitals and to mayors reminding us that they're going to use more force to curtail the very thing that caused people to protest in the first place. 45th, the Honorable President Donald Trump, we expect more from you. We need more from you. This is your opportunity before the 2020 election to restore law and order, but through your own office operating through peaceful demonstration and the manner in which you direct the United States military to take to the streets to create war on American citizens. That is not the answer. And I know that a businessman like you have a better way to bring about this form of change. And it will be respected if you utilize that opportunity now. Where do we go from here? People cannot give what they do not have. But we all have a responsibility to this generation and the next to ensure that we protect their lives and their livelihoods and restore upon them an opportunity to sing a new hymn. Housing, healthcare, education, employment, maintenance, and support services. That, ladies and gentlemen, is why we protest. Be safe. Use wisdom, knowledge, and by all things, get understanding. Operate in the spirit of love and not hate. And never forget the reason why you're protesting. It is not for harm, but for good. Be blessed and be encouraged.